Takeaway Friday, April 23rd. We Tackle Life podcast. I'm Bruce Hooley. Appreciate your time that you have taken to set aside and listen to the podcast today. We've got some big news in Ohio high school football, in NCAA football, as it concerns Justin Fields and as it concerns Ohio State basketball. And, oh, by the way, LeBron James is in the news, and that will lead us into the faith element of the podcast. So really appreciate you guys being with us. And uh, you can also check out the faith-only portion of the podcast on my YouTube channel. I think you have to search Bruce Hooley channel because there'll be a bunch of other stuff that'll pop up from me doing pregame shows and stuff over the years. But I do have my own YouTube channel, and the faith portion is posted there. So looking forward to uh, seeing you guys comment on that, subscribe to that channel. As always, you can reach me by sending an email, wetacklelife at gmail.com, and you can review the podcast, which I'd appreciate very much. That is available to you on iTunes. Okay, first of all, A reminder, you save 15% off at CBD Health Collection when you use the promo code BRUCE. They have great products. They work, guys. I'm not kidding you. They really work. I'm actually stunned how well they get rid of my back pain and um, recently some pain in my left thumb. Well, not recently, over the last year and a half. But I'm amazed how well it works. doesn't cure the problem. It takes the pain away for three to five hours. And that's huge if you're trying to play golf or work in the yard or get to sleep at night or something like that. Um, someone I could mention someone's name who you would know uh, from my former time at ESPN Cleveland who swears by the stuff for his father. So, um, you know, just use it and use the promo code Bruce BrucecBDHealthCollection.com. They're the makers of the Spielman CBD brand. And... Just browse their site. they got all kinds of products, and you'll save, and it's really good stuff. Okay, so let's start the podcast today with the uh, news you may not have heard about. Most of you are college football fans. Most of you are Buckeye fans. Ohio State typically wins its games handily enough that it does not have to go into overtime. But if it goes into overtime next year, I'm betting you will be one of the only people in your friend group who will know that no longer – In a tie game still tied after the first overtime, will the game require a team scoring a touchdown in the second overtime to go for two points? Previously, it was you had to wait till the third overtime. Or you didn't have to wait, but you could wait. And then once you got to the third overtime, you had no choice anymore. You had to go for two. Well, now that stipulation kicks in after You score a touchdown in the second overtime or once you reach the second overtime. Can't kick a PAT in the second overtime. Now, this I did not know, so I will confess to being stupid on this one. Uh, If a game reached a fifth overtime last year, you didn't start the fifth overtime with the ball on the 25-yard line. You just went for two. Did you guys know that? I didn't know that. Years ago, we had an LSU, I want to say Mississippi State game, I think, that went to seven overtimes. And so what they're trying to do is preclude that. No, it was Texas A&M LSU. Uh, That was just like two years ago with Kellen Mond and uh, Joe Burrow. uh, Before Maybe it was three years ago. uh, Because Burrow, that wasn't his Heisman year. At any rate, what they want to do is eliminate the risk of injury or reduce the risk of injury. It's football. You'll never eliminate it. And I mean, we see guys pad their stats like crazy because the receiving yards, rushing yards, passing yards all count in the overtimes. So you had guys basically playing a whole other game if a game went extended overtimes. So now I didn't know that that last year once it got to the fifth overtime, you had to start, you had to just just go for two. No plays from the twenty-five in. You didn't have to score. You didn't kick a field goal. You just lined up and went for two. And then the other team lined up and went for two. And you lined up and went for two. And until somebody didn't make the two-point conversion, the game would continue. Fifth overtime, sixth overtime, seventh overtime. Okay, so that was what was in place last year that I didn't even know about. Now, instead of the two-point tries, as I said, beginning in the third overtime, the two-point tries after touchdowns will begin in the second overtime. And instead of going exclusively to two-point conversions, no plays, just two-point conversions, Instead of that happening in the fifth overtime, that will now happen in the third overtime. So we're not going to play like hours and hours and hours of extra football. 
it's a little goofy to me that we're going to introduce these policies this quickly in an overtime game. Here's how I think they could fix overtime and make, well, I don't know. Nobody will ever agree that, that, you know, it's being fixed. But here's what I would like to see, although I don't know, maybe this wouldn't fix it. It would put more of a premium on kicking. I don't like starting overtime already in scoring position. At least maybe for the first overtime. Maybe for the first overtime you start with the ball at the 50. Or you start with the ball at the 40. Because that's a 57-yard field goal from the 40. So if you don't go anywhere, or if you go backwards, you're totally screwed. You're not going to score. So I would like to see you have to get a first down to get into scoring position in the overtime. Now, since we're going to come up with all these rules that are hard to follow and know, maybe you do that in the first overtime, or and and maybe in the sec, maybe in the first overtime you start at the fifty, and the second overtime you start at the forty, and then you start at the twenty-five after that. I don't know, but I uh, I don't hate I don't hate the idea. I, 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 the idea I can quarrel with the rationale behind making a change. I don't have a problem with. And we're going to get to that same takeaway on uh, my next topic, which is Ohio high school football playoffs. Last night, the OHSAA, Ohio High School Athletic Association, came out with a mammoth expansion of the state high school football playoffs. Okay, a little backstory. Last year, pandemic, limited season, late start. Everybody made the playoffs if you wanted to. If you wanted to be in the playoffs, you're in. You play two games, lose them both. You want to play in the playoffs, you're in. Okay. So according to the OHSAA, I'm going to give you their rationale first. They said they got such a great response to, you know, expanded playoffs. Here's the quote from the OHSAA statement. Last fall, we received overwhelmingly positive feedback when we allowed every team to enter the football playoffs due to the shortened season because of COVID-19. We know there are some who want to keep the football postseason to a smaller number of schools, but the postseason tournament gives such a positive experience for our student-athletes, the schools, and their communities that we felt strongly about giving the opportunity to more schools to make the playoffs. And football remains the only OHSAA sport in which not every team automatically qualifies. So the first round of the playoffs this year will be in late October and 16 teams from every region will make the playoffs in Ohio high school football. There are seven divisions in the uh, state football playoffs. I think I'm right on that. Six or seven. I think there's seven. So we are talking about, (laughs) in the state of Ohio now, 709 schools played football last year. Okay, 11-man football. 709. This year, 448 of 709 will make the playoffs. 448. That, my friends, is over 60% of the teams in the state will make the high school football playoffs this year. Over 60%. Uh, That is a lot. That is a lot. Uh, It's about 61%, okay? So uh, you can say, and I know the OHSAA will say, and I hope to talk to Doug Ute, the executive director, today. Hey, in the NFL, half the teams make the playoffs, or about half the teams. Uh, In the NBA, you know, whatever the percent is, it's a high percent, 40, 50, I don't know. Here's the difference. The delineation, the separation between the best team in the NBA and the worst team in the NBA is, sure, in a multiple-game series is stark. You're, if you put the worst team in the NBA in the playoffs against the best team in the NBA, the best team in the NBA would sweep them 9 out of 10 times. But they're still both professional athletes on each team. There's not this wide disparity. In high school football, in Division One, you're going to have teams make the playoffs that are going to be playing the number one seed in their region. The 16th best team in its region is going to play, you know, the Mentor, the St. Ignatius, the Pick Central. (laughs) 
the Cincinnati uh, elder, and they're going to get crushed. And in the lower divisions, it's going to be worse. In the lower divisions, it's going to be worse because in the upper divisions, you got more boys to pick from. So, ergo, you probably have better athletes. But in the lower divisions, divisions six and seven, these games are going to be an abomination and kids are going to get hurt. And so this is a very controversial decision because guess who's against this? Um, and I'm not really taking a position because I understand it. As I said, with the overtime thing, I might not agree with the exact specifics, but I understand the rationale behind doing it. We're coming out of a COVID-19 pandemic where high schools could not sell tickets last year. They could not have unlimited audiences, fans at games. Their revenues tanked. There's, I know of one school, it's athletic ticket sales per year are over $50,000. Last year, it was like 6000 you don't have a backstop against that financially in a school system. That's a lot of bake sales to make up that difference. That's a lot of car washes. That's a lot of candy bars sold. So I get why the OHSAA is doing this, but the High School Football Coaches Association hates this, and they made their disdain for this decision known Last night, in their own statement, they claim they were not consulted on this final decision. I'm sure feedback was taken along the way. Maybe I'm not sure. Maybe they weren't. But Garen Stokes, the new coach at Dublin Kaufman, is definitely against this. You can read uh, Garen's comments on PressProsMagazine.com. If that story's not up right now at 10 in the morning, it will be up this afternoon. I'm endeavoring to reach Doug Ute, the OHSAA uh, president to uh, talk about this and explain his rationale behind it. Here's the statement from the Ohio High School Football Coaches Association. The decision by the OHSAA to expand a 16-team playoff format, which previously four in each region made it, or no, I think eight made it, uh, a 16-team playoff format, they must mean in each region. So they're doubling the size of the playoffs. I'll start again. So the decision by the High School Athletic Association to expand the playoff format is met with complete dismay by the Ohio High School Football Coaches Association. We are extremely disappointed in the vote by the OHSAA without consulting the Football Coaches Association. It is abundantly clear that this decision is financially motivated. I think that's the only thing the two organizations can agree on. It is financially motivated (laughs) out of, I think, hopefully, good intentions by the High School Athletic Association. But the coaches have to deal with, look, you got a star player and he plays against the 16th seed. First of all, don't play him against the 16th seed in your region because if he tears his ACL, you're not going to need him to win the game. You better not need him to win the game. You're going to play your backups. But then uh, what if you get behind? What if you fumble the ball? Anyway. You're not going to see any 16 over ones. This is less likely for a 16 over one to beat a team in the high school football playoffs than it is for a college D1 basketball team 16 to beat a one. And that's happened only one time since the tournament expanded in 1985, which by my math is 36 years ago. Okay, so, but it's going to happen. So everybody into the playoff pool, it seems. Uh, So, you know. More than half the teams in each region are going to make the playoffs, and we're going to have some super ugly playoff games in the first two weeks of the playoffs before we winnow the field from in a region 16 to 8 and 8 to 4. We just are. But I get it. I get it. I mean, when schools suffer financially, the OHSAA suffers financially, and they're bleeding money at the OHSAA. They've cut staff. They are a bare-bones operation right now. I don't know if they're sustainable. Uh, so it's going to be something to uh, watch and see how this goes. So that's what's going on in your college football playoff, college football, rather, um, play uh, overtime format, and your high school football playoff format. Uh, what is going on at auiinfo.com? Well, they're helping you free. That's my friend Chrissy, Steve, Julie, and the others in their 17-member business, small business. So they understand small business. You own a small business or you are a small business all by yourself, then 
insurance is huge, either for yourself, because if you're a small business and you're by yourself, you get sick, you're not covered, you're done. Or you're paying too much for your health insurance, why would you waste money? Are your margins that big? Probably not. Or if you have a business and you lose an employee because he went somewhere else for a better disability plan, better insurance plan, better vision plan, have AUI research this for you and put together the best benefits package for your business, whether it's one person or multiple people. And it's free. It is free because the health insurance companies then pay AUI for bringing them new customers. And an individual, if you're not in a business, you're just a regular schmo, hardworking schmo like Bruce Hooley, you can change your health insurance right now at this time on the calendar, which is usually not available to you in the spring, but it is this year, and AUI can offer you guidance on what you're getting for what you're paying. Are you getting the doctor, copay, hospital benefits, and all that that you want? AUIinfo.com. It's as easy as typing into a chat. Can you do that? If you can, then you go to AUIinfo.com. All right, a little more football news. I was very surprised, as I'm sure you were, to see that Justin Fields, Ohio State quarterback, who is the uh, most interesting pre-draft story this year because is he dropping, is he is he not dropping, is he a top-five pick, is he a fall-out-of-the-first-ten picks? Justin Fields now says he's managing epilepsy. Okay, I know some people who have epilepsy. They manage it, uh, but seizures are a part of epilepsy. I don't know if an NFL team is going to be put off by Justin Fields. What if he has a seizure Leading up to a game when stress, I think, brings on seizures. Is a, I mean, but the problem is you got to go with what you know as opposed to what you fear, and that's true in any aspect of life. Go with what's real, not what you feel. And Justin Fields, I don't remember him not coming out to play at Ohio State because he had an epileptic seizure. I don't remember him seizing up in the middle of a game. He looked pretty good to me. So uh, that is a risk worth running. As far as I look at it, what are NFL teams, do they not have access and the, and the cash and the coin to afford the best medical care for Justin Fields? Yeah, I think they do. So I think this is, I mean, you got to weigh it in, got to factor it in. If it's an even Steven matchup between Justin Fields and Trey Lance or Justin Fields and Mac Jones, I don't know, maybe it tips the balance the other way. I know this, Justin Fields is a good quarterback. He's a really good athlete. He's a seemingly a very good person. So uh, would he make your organization better? I don't see how he couldn't. So, Lions at seven, Broncos trying to trade up, uh, Patriots, who knows? Uh, but you come out of this draft with Justin Fields, uh, you came out of the draft a lot better, in my opinion. Okay, Ohio State basketball news. And I don't know that this is great news, but it might not be as bad as it looks. Terry Johnson, Ohio State basketball assistant, left the Buckeyes yesterday to take a job at Purdue. Typically, guys don't leave for another assistant job in the same league. That's weird. Um, Terry Johnson, by all accounts, did a really good job at Ohio State. You have to look at the totality of a guy's service, not just the last year. Terry Johnson was the guy on the staff who handled the defense. And you say, wow, we're 85th in the country in defense last year, and Oral Roberts made us look stupid. Terry Johnson doesn't know anything. Well, Terry Johnson knew something when they were top 25 in defense the first three years of the Chris Holtman regime. Uh, you can say, ah, Terry Johnson works with the big man, our big man. Ibrahima Diallo, he's not progressing. Well, I don't know. As uh, Did Caleb Wesson progress? Did uh, EJ Liddell handle himself okay in a low post? Has Kyle Young gotten better? So uh, Terry Johnson's got a long career as a player, as a coach in the state of Indiana. And it appears that Matt Painter's going to give him responsibilities with the Purdue offense. I hope Terry Johnson gets what he thinks he's getting because my guess is Matt Painter has his way of doing that and Terry Johnson's not going to change his mind. But at any rate, it makes Terry Johnson a theoretically more attractive head coaching candidate He'll be networking more with Indiana coaches. He probably wants to coach in the state of Indiana, or it's a good place for him to start coaching in the state of Indiana. Okay, so good luck to Terry Johnson. I'm sure Chris Holtman will find a really good coach who fits what he does and do fine. Here's the unfortunate part 
of the Terry Johnson departure. And I abhor that we are in this era in our culture where everything is race. And this is uh, reminds me of a line in the movie The Incredibles, where the uh, little evil kid who uh, turned himself into a techno supervillain uh, says to Mr. Incredible, can you tell I have kids and we watch these kinds of movies? He says to Mr. Incredible uh, that he can make these superpowers available to everybody because they're technological superpowers. They're innovative superpowers. They're not like God-given and ordained. You're not born with them. He created them in a lab. And then he says, if everybody's special, then no one is. That's one of the great lines ever in movie history. I'm sorry Disney had to come up with it. If everybody's special, then no one is. In our era right now, everything's race. Everything. Politics is race. The church is race. Culture is race. Entertainment is race. And a coach leaving Ohio State to go to Purdue is race because Terry Johnson is black. And now Ohio State doesn't have a black assistant. Oh, my goodness. This is you know the narrative. Oh, we don't have a black assistant. we got to go hire a black assistant. I don't know if Chris Holman's going to hire a black assistant or not. I know if he doesn't hire a black assistant, other teams in the Big Ten and around the country are going to say, well, they don't... They don't have a black assistant. They can't identify with what you're thinking. So we hear this nonsense, and it is nonsense, that racism is baked into the system. Here's the thing. If you can identify racism baked into any system, you will have no greater ally than Bruce Hooley to help you eradicate it because racism is not from God. We are all made in the image of God. God loves everyone the same He does not love one race more than another. White supremacy is evil. Black lives matter is evil. Because God is not, according to the Bible, God is not a respecter of persons. In other words, he doesn't prioritize one person over another. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free. Back in that era of the Bible, you were a Jew or you were considered Greek, which meant you were not a Jew. You were either a slave or you were free. So that encompassed all of mankind in Bible times when that was written. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free in the eyes of Christ. You're all the same. Sorry, I'm getting into the faith portion of the podcast early. But this is what I hate. The people who say racism is baked into the system say that purposefully to divide us because if I handed you a loaf of bread and I said, this yeast is baked into the bread, would you go through this bread and remove the yeast? You'd say, well, I can't identify the yeast. It's like all through the bread. Yeah, that's the point of people who say, well, racism is baked into the system. So racism is everywhere. And then you say, well, where? Help me, help me, show me, and I'll get rid of it. I'll be your, I'll be your wingman. I'll be your foxhole buddy. I'll go on the front lines. I'll storm the beaches to eradicate racism. And they go, well, I, I, I can't tell you where it's baked in. It's a circular narrative that is complete and utter nonsense, and it is straight from the pit of hell, meant to divide us and meant to, um, meant to ruin the message of the love of Jesus to, available to all through individual repentance. So the Terry Johnson story, the aspect of it that I hate is, oh, He's black, and now Ohio State doesn't have a black assistant, so all the black players on Ohio State's team, oh, they should leave, they should transfer, they should go to the NBA because Chris Holtman can't possibly. Ad- what complete and utter nonsense that is. So I want Chris Holtman to hire the best assistant coach. In an ideal world, he'd hire the best assistant coach. But in the real world over here where we live, he'll be under great pressure to hire a coach whose first qualification, like Kamala Harris to be vice president, was that, she be black. And fortunately, there are many, many, many qualified African-American assistant coaches in college basketball, hopefully many of whom will want to work for Chris Holtman in Ohio State. And it's not going to be as a restrictive a field as Joe Biden picking a vice president when it was basically he could pick Susan Rice, uh, Kamala Harris, Stacey Abrams. Those there weren't very many names that came up. So I'm just being real with you guys. I hate racism, but I hate, I don't hate more because racism, you can't hate racism more than anyone should hate racism who's a, who's a Christian. But racism is evil. So is the thought process that 
we can divide everybody by race. Because that's, again, that's straight from the pit of hell. Okay, so Terry Johnson leaving. Good luck to Terry. I think he did a very good job here, and um, we'll stand by. I'm sure it won't be long before Chris Holtman hires another coach. Musa Jallo's found the home. The former Buckeye who came to Ohio State early out of Bloomington, Indiana, uh, to help Holtman's first roster, which was thin. Uh, Musa played three seasons. They were injury plague seasons. He made an impact on the program with his defensive presence. His offense never really reached the point where he could earn more minutes, but hopefully that will be the case for Musa at Charlotte. So he's going to be a Charlotte 49er. He has two seasons of eligibility remaining because of the free year that everybody got last year. I actually was curious if Musa might end up um, at Connecticut because don't hold me to this, but I believe Musa and Dorka Juhas are close, put it that way, I think. Um, but Musa found the best home for him. Dorka Juhas, Ohio State's leading scorer on a women's team last year, um, went to UConn. So she went as high as you can go on the uh, women's basketball ladder. And I applaud somebody who went there and uh, didn't have a guaranteed spot because nobody at UConn has a guaranteed spot. You're going to earn their spot at UConn. That is for sure. Okay, a reminder that uh, you can um, save 15% off at Hemisphere Coffee Roasters. Get your bourbon barrel aged coffee. Right there it is. They package it very uh, attractively. And it, I'm sure, tastes great. So uh, check it out. Hunter's Blend, House Blend, Mr. Spielman's favorite coffee. He's become a repeat customer of Hemisphere Coffee Roasters Coffee. Only now he has to pay for it because he's not on the podcast anymore. But he uses the promo code WETACKLELIFE in all caps. And he gets the same 15% discount that you can get. So thanks to Paul and Grace and Andy for their continued support of the We Tackle Life podcast. In the faith portion of the podcast today, I wanted to try to marry the Twitter comments of LeBron James in the aftermath of 16-year-old Makia Bryant's death in an altercation um, where she had a knife and was threatening people on the southeast side of Columbus and was subsequently shot by a Columbus police officer with a little bit of what I said earlier about the reprehensible nature of race being used to divide us in this country. Um, if you did not hear my comments on the podcast, we are all made in the image of God. God's love for us is fixed at a level we can't even understand. This is a hard concept for many to understand. God does not love someone who believes in him more than someone who does not. God does not love Bruce Hooley at the point of my life now where I am viewing everything through what he calls me to do to serve him. He does not love me more now than he did when I was walking lost and disobedient in my teens, 20s, and early 30s. God loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for us on the cross when we were still sinners. So he's thrilled when we come to him, but he does not love us more because he cannot love us more. God is love. His very nature is love. His entire essence is love. And his love does not work like our love. Our love is often transactional, except for those in our families. Like, I love my kids, and I'll always love my kids, even if they turn out to be train wrecks. So um, I'd be disappointed in them. But that's as close as I can come to loving like God, is I love my kids no matter what they do, but I will, of course, be disappointed in them. But I don't love a guy on the street who I never met uh, and would be, you know, feel the same um, loyalty to that person that I would feel to my children. Well, we're all God's children, but some of us he's very disappointed in because he's made salvation available to all of us, and some of us haven't taken him up on it, haven't, accept, haven't received that free gift. So that is why racism is evil, because we're all made in the image of God, and he loves everybody, so who are we to decide that that person is that color, that person is that nationality, that person is that gender, that person is that proclivity of whatever it is, persuasion politically or whatever, 
And I hate them because of that. That is not of God. So all racism, all ism, is reprehensible and evil to God because it is the creation of Satan. It is a manifestation of the spiritual battle that is going on in our world all the time because Satan, as the Apostle Paul wrote, is the God, small g, of this age who has blinded the eyes of unbelievers so they cannot see the gospel of the glory of Christ. So, in that vein, let's talk about a story of a man who could not see, literally could not see, and then could see because he had an encounter with Jesus. And this happens in the ninth chapter of the Gospel of John. Jesus is walking along, and a blind guy comes up to him, and his disciples say, Hey, Jesus, why is this guy blind? Is it because he sinned or because his parents sinned? What? Who did something wrong that this guy was penalized with blindness? And Jesus says, Neither one. He's born blind so that the glory of God can be revealed through him. Yes, adversity does happen in our life so that our bounce back from it, our recovery from it, or our enduring of it in ways that are pleasing to God glorify God. So in this case, Jesus decides, I'm going to heal this guy. So he wets some mud, he puts it on the guy's eyes, tells the guy to go wash. And all of a sudden, he can see. Well, the Pharisees, who the religious leaders, the guys who were locked in to how they thought, you know, salvation was going to come, you earn it by your works, by what you do. They see this guy and they go, hey, wasn't he the guy who was blind? He sure looks like that guy. And I recognize him now because his eyes are open and he can see, but I think that's the guy. So they go up and they ask him. They're like, hey, are you the guy who was blind? And he goes, yeah, I'm the guy. What happened? Well, I met Jesus. Jesus put mud on my eyes and told me to go wash in the pool of Siloam, and I can see. And they're like, this Jesus, he's a phony. He's a fraud. He did this on the Sabbath. And we have rules that say you you can't work on the Sabbath. You can't heal people on the Sabbath. So Jesus did this incredibly kind thing to reveal the glory of God through this guy. And the Jews are like, no, no. Your way of doing things, Jesus. No, not going to pay. That's a miracle. Ignore the miracle. Focus on the minutia, right? Ignore the miracle. Focus on the minutia. Okay. So they call the guy back in and they go, hey, and they call the guy's parents in. They go, hey, your son, what happened to him? (laughs) He was blind. Now he can see. What happened? And the parents go, I don't know. We weren't there. He's old enough. Ask him for him. Ask him yourself. He's old enough. He can answer for himself. So they go back and they say, "Hey, I think this over now. Be careful what you say, because you know, if you don't give us the politically correct answer, you're gonna get doxed. You're gonna get canceled. We're gonna like you're gonna be an outcast." Is that any of that going on these days? So they call him back in. Okay, one more time. Tell me again. And he goes, look, dude, I told you what happened. You don't want to hear the answer. What's your what's your deal? What's your issue with Jesus? Like, are you asking? And then he really ticks him off. He goes, are you asking me again because you want to become a follower of him too? <laughs> Which is a great shot. And they're like, oh, off, get out of here, you know. So they tell him to get out of there. So they just like insult the guy and all this kind of stuff. So then the guy, uh, Jesus hears that they tossed this guy out of the synagogue. And the guy comes back to Jesus and he says, Jesus says to him, so do you believe in the son of man? Do you believe this? And the guy goes, well, I, I, help me believe. I would, I would believe. Who is he? Because he hasn't connected like that this Jesus who healed his sight is the son of God. And Jesus goes, well, now you can see. Here I am. <laughs> and the guy goes, of course, I believe. I know what you did for me, right? Jesus has credibility. He has standing because this guy understands what he did for him. He healed him. He doesn't need. Who could do that? Who could do that? He's like, that's a pretty mean trick, healing a guy who's been blind his whole life. 
So, in the aftermath of this, Jesus says, uh, he tells his story in John 10. He uses an, an allegory, like he always does with parables and and word pictures and stuff. And Jesus describes himself as the shepherd, the good shepherd. And he talks about humanity being like a herd of sheep. Now, sheep are stupid. They are. They go where they're told to go, but they also go where they're not told to go. And they'll wander into a bush, and they'll get their horns caught in the bush, and they'll get killed by, you know, in those times, a lion, a bear, a, a, a wolf, whatever. And Jesus says, you know, these sheep with a shepherd, they recognize the shepherd's voice. That's the only voice they pay attention to. There might be a hired man there who's trying to relate to the sheep, get the sheep to obey him. The sheep ignore that guy because he's not the shepherd, and they know he's not the shepherd, so he doesn't have credibility with them. But the shepherd's voice, the sheep listen to, they follow that. And the shepherd knows all of his sheep. Throw a stray sheep in there, he would go, no, that one's not mine. That one's not mine. He names them all. He knows them all. And that's how God knows us. He knows us by name. He knows the gifts and talents he's given us. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our strengths. He knows the mission he has for us. God is the shepherd. Jesus is the shepherd. We are the sheep. Prone to be lost, prone to wonder, prone to be stupid, prone to be hard-headed, prone to be disobedient, and he loves us anyway. And he's provided a shepherd, Jesus, to hang on the cross to save us from our sin nature. That is baked into the system, the human system. Okay, so Jesus says he's also in a sheep pen, in a sheep fold, there is a gate, one way in. One way, one way in, one way out, once they're fenced in. And Jesus says, I'm the gate. I'm the gate. You enter the kingdom of God through me. You can't get in any other way. (laughs) And you need to know that. You need to prioritize that. You need to take that as (laughs) the truth that will decide your eternal destiny. Jesus is the one way to heaven. One way. No other way. Peter says in Acts 4.12, there is no other name given to men by which you must be saved. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So here he says in John 10, verse 9, I'm the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. In other words, live in a contented lifestyle. The thief, that's Satan, misguided thoughts, your own arrogance, I'm going to live life my way. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they, the sheep, us, may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And that is what Jesus has done. So, okay, to LeBron James. LeBron has amazing talents, abilities, and God has given LeBron an amazing platform. And LeBron James, in the aftermath of the Columbus police shooting that resulted in the death of Micaiah Bryant, went to Twitter and, I believe, placed the life of the Columbus police officer who was a hero, who saved lives, who reacted in exemplary fashion to the letter of his training. LeBron James went on Twitter and, I believe, endangered that police officer's life with the words, you're next, and an hourglass in the aftermath of the Chauvin verdict. There are very, very many crazy people who are inflamed by racial hatred, both white people and black people, who are inflamed by racial hatred that with a word like that from LeBron James, if they get the opportunity, would kill that Columbus police officer. I believe that. LeBron James breaks my heart when he goes this route because, like all of us, we are gifted with unique mission fields, powerful life experiences, unique stories to illustrate our either little sliver or big sliver or enormous piece of God's blessing in our life. 
LeBron James chooses to stoke racial hatred when he has the capacity to tell a much more powerful and a much more transformative story for the good of black people, white people, all people. LeBron James had no father growing up. LeBron James was the son of a single mom. LeBron James, as is often the case, repeated that departure from God's design for the family. God's design for the family is a man and a woman get married and stay married and have children after they're married. And they raise those children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Uh, Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. It is very sad and heartbreaking that 16-year-old Micaiah Bryant was not trained up in the way that a child should go. She wasn't. I know you. many of you don't like hearing that. You'll say you're appropriating your upbringing and putting it on a girl who didn't have the benefits you had. And you're exactly right. I had two parents in my home who disciplined me, loved me, shaped me, and led me. And she did not. It does not appear she did because she's in foster care. I've seen her mom quoted. I've not seen her dad quoted, but there was a guy on the street who was complaining about her being shot. You shot my baby. So maybe she did have a father, but it does not appear that she had something dysfunctional in that home went wrong to put her in foster care. And most often in Columbus, Ohio, children wind up in foster care because of drugs in the family. Okay. That's just the stats. I don't know if that was the case in her case or if there was emotional abuse or physical abuse or some other dysfunction. But it is inarguable she came from a dysfunctional background because she wouldn't have been in foster care without it. So she was not trained up in the way a child should go. and She did not have the benefit of reflecting on that when she is old and not depart from it. I did. And so I would not be fulfilling what I just talked about a moment ago in sharing my life experiences for the betterment of others, fulfilling my call as a Christian, sharing with you what God's done in my life to bring me closer to him and help others. If I didn't tell you that, you may not like hearing that the single mother rate in poor communities is the root of many of the problems in our society. (laughs) The problem of young people dying in the communities of America is to an infinite percentage because of dysfunction in home environments and single motherhood than it is because of wayward police shootings. That's the truth. Paul said, I tell you the truth. Am I therefore your enemy? I don't care if I'm your enemy for telling you that truth because that is the truth. That is the truth. Makai Bryant didn't have that, that advantage and sin has consequences. And so I struggle when LeBron James chooses not to tell, chooses not to tell his own story that could change lives in poor communities. His story is, I was born to a single mom. But through the grace of God, through the strong leadership of Keith Dambrot, Drew Joyce, other people at St. V, youth coaches, whoever, just a kid from Akron, I triumphed over that. I made some mistakes. I got my girlfriend pregnant when she was a teenager. I married her. I had more children with her. We are still married. I lead my kids. I lead Bronnie. I lead Maximus. I lead my daughter. I am a loyal husband, and I am a loyal father. 
And if you want to be like me, that's what you need to do in your home. The problem is a problem of not following God's design in your life. It is not a problem of police shooting, hunting, as LeBron has tweeted before. Literally, he has literally tweeted that police are literally hunting black men. LeBron has a powerful story to tell. He chooses not to tell it. And because he chooses not to tell it, people believe what he is telling them. And he makes happen or contributes to happening what he, suppo- what he says he wants to prevent. And that is very sad. Back to the blind man <clears throat> in Jesus' day after observing the blind man's experience with the Pharisees and the blind man coming back to him and embracing Jesus as the Son of Man because it was crystal clear to him, not just with his sight, but with what Jesus did and the difference he made in his life. Jesus says, I have come for judgment. I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will be blind. He doesn't mean literal blindness. He means spiritual blindness. He means societal blindness. LeBron James has been equipped, blessed, outfitted, armed, lavished with what should be great insight into how he can help change the struggling downtrodden, and suffering aspects of our society. But LeBron, Ibram X. Kendi, Ta-Nehisi Coates, Patrice Cullors, Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, many others, Andrew Ginther, have chosen to be blind and to not say the hard thing. Proverbs 19, 2 and 3 say, It is not good to have zeal without knowledge. Oh, LeBron has zeal. He doesn't have knowledge. And Proverbs 19, 3 says, A man's own folly ruins his life, but his heart rages against the Lord. There are a lot of people right now whose own folly are ruining lives in our country. But their heart rages against the Lord. And it's very sad. It is very sad. So, humility, submission to God's design for our life is only available to our world when you accept the free gift of salvation that Jesus made possible to you at the cross, because only then will God's Holy Spirit indwell you, equip you, convict you, inspire you, encourage you to do things that go against what you see with your own eyes. You'll look at racial strife differently. You'll look at poverty in the inner city differently. You'll look at what you can do and how you can do it and have a different motivation that is born of love, not of hate, that is born of true unity, not some word that is co-opted to masquerade socialism. You'll have true unity rather than be agents of division. I believe that with all my heart, and I believe that God has called me to give that message to you. And I hope that it equips you and encourages you to speak truth in the face of satanic evil in our world that is possessing not just athletes, not just entertainers, not just politicians, 
but many of the churches of America, supposedly evangelical churches that are preaching a social gospel that is anathema, that is the exact opposite of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says it, I came that you would have life and have it more abundantly. What is happening in our world today is the clear demonstration of many lives lived so far short of God's design because we have taken God out of our schools, out of our lives, out of our relationships, and out of our focus. So I leave you with that today, and I thank you for your attention. I hope that you will patronize our sponsors, Hemisphere, CBD Health Collection, Willis Spangler Starling, the attorney firm of The Bruce Hooley Show and Bruce Hooley, and auiinfo.com. I hope you'll send me an email. We tackle life at gmail.com. I hope you will tell your friends about the YouTube channel and subscribe yourself. Publicize my content on your own social media channels if you believe it'll help somebody. I do this because I want to strengthen people, equip people, encourage people, empower people, and illuminate truth. And I'm willing to um, I'm willing to converse with you on this topic anytime. I'll be talking more about it today on my radio show at 98.9 The Answer, 5 to 7 p.m., 989theanswer.com. It's also available on TuneIn, iHeartRadio.com apps. With that, <clears throat> thank you for your time. Have a great day.